Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Terry B. McDougall about the hurdles and blind spots leaders face when encouraging innovation and productivity in their teams and organizations. Terry McDougall, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Jonathan, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have a nice conversation today and to focus on the blind spots that leaders have in trying to encourage and promote and sustain innovation and productivity within their teams and within their organizations. I think this is a huge problem um, that organizations face. And it comes back to, you know, not just good intentions, uh, which certainly, you know, we need to start with intentionality and we need to start with aspirations, but then we need to translate that into actual action to be able to produce the results that we want. And sometimes, you know, there are definitely obstacles and hurdles that get in the way of us doing that. So this is what we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Terry's bio with everybody. Terry McDougall is an executive and career coach and CEO of the Terry B. McDougall Coaching. She helps high-achieving professionals remove obstacles that keep them stuck so they can enjoy more success and satisfaction in their lives and careers. Before becoming a coach, Terry was a longtime corporate marketing executive where she led teams, developed strategies, and advised senior leaders to drive business results. She's the author of Winning the Game of Work, career happiness and success on your own terms. She is also the host of the Marketing Mambo podcast. What a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch on in? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Wonderful. Well, so let's dive right in and talk about some of these hurdles. What do you see as the biggest hurdles that keep organizations from tapping into the full potential of their people? Well, I think that there's a couple things. I think that there's a lack of awareness that maybe this is even needed. And certainly there's, in many cases, a lack of skills. Um, some of the things that I've recognized is, I mean, we all know that businesses are in place to make a profit and there can be an oversized emphasis on execution at the expense of everything else. And you know, focusing on execution and putting a lot of pressure on team members can actually have the opposite effect that's desired. And what's really important is for leaders to lay the foundation for effective execution. And that means spending time on things that many think are unnecessary, but are actually really critical. Um, and that starts with communication. It's being clear with people, having two-way dialogue. So if there are issues, 
that the leaders learn about them and can actually do something to, to fix the issues, but also things as simple as, well, what are we trying to achieve here? Sometimes there's a lot of assumptions made that everybody understands that. And in fact, leaders haven't done a good job of communicating that down in a way that their employees can understand. Um, the second thing is building strong relationships. You know, when, when there are relationships and productive relationships, there, there's trust there. So people feel confident in taking action or stepping into uncertainty because they know and they trust the people around them that they're not going to be at risk or, you know, all of the bad things that we think about, be embarrassed, get in trouble, get fired, be put on a PIP plan, whatever the things are that people worry about, you know, if they're feeling insecure, they're not going to show up 100%. So it's important to make sure that those relationships are in place so there's trust there. And then the last um, part of that foundation is having alignment. Because again, we can make as leaders, we can make these assumptions that, you know, we've all you've sat in the meetings with your other senior leaders and we all hear through our own lens, if you will, um, or our own filter. And sometimes we don't check those assumptions like, well, this is what I heard. Is this what you heard? And so sometimes leaders can actually be working at cross purposes they think that they're all doing the right thing. And from their perspective, they are, but they're maybe pulling in opposite directions because they haven't checked for alignment. And then that causes conflict. You know, a lot of times you see this among coworkers or between departments because they haven't stepped back to say, well, you know, why do you think that, you know, or how could, why don't we put the problem on the table and figure out how we can work together to fix this problem that we share instead of playing the blame game. Um, so yeah, I, I love those. And I think the foundational components that you're describing are absolutely essential. So I'm glad you highlighted that. Uh, so often we jump directly into um, action and implementation without yeah. understanding really the, the, these foundational pieces that set the stage and create the environment and the culture necessary to sustain ongoing, you know, uh, good outcomes, ongoing yeah, productivity, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. And, and, um, you know, there's, there's always a lot of pressure to, to perform and to execute. Um, and there can be pressure to skip these really foundational steps, but typically we'll pay for it later if we don't do it. And, you know, when, when we can, withstand the pressure or the discomfort of saying, no, I can't do it on Monday. I'll, you know, two weeks from now, we'll kick it off. I always say well-planned is well-executed, you know? And so if you lay a strong foundation and then, you know, that machine can be put on the foundation and it can run smoothly versus, you know, just plopping it down anywhere and trying to run the machine and it's like out of whack and, you know, you just, you spend more time fixing things than allowing things to run efficiently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what you're describing too, it, it describes for me the challenge, at least one of the major challenges that we have when we're trying to foster an environment of innovation, 
uh, within an organization. Because if people feel like they're only going to be judged on on their what they produce, uh, as opposed to the learnings, as opposed to um, how they develop new ideas, how they iterate uh, in in new spaces, um, then inevitably what's going to happen is people are going to start to focus on the low hanging fruit. Uh, you know what what things can they do that are going to produce immediate results uh, that they can show to their boss so they can get a bonus or so they can get a pat on the back or whatever. And that's not always completely at odds with ongoing innovation and sustainable growth and development, but it, it really can be, and it can directly undermine the efforts that you might be trying to take uh, in other areas. And innovation requires quote unquote failure. And I say quote unquote, because it's, it's only failure if we don't learn from it, right? It, innovation requires iteration. It requires learning and ongoing growth and development. And so we have to create a psychologically safe place where people can try new things, where they, where they know not only are they allowed to try new things, but they'll, they're encouraged to, they're supported in doing it. And it's not going to hurt them for trying something that doesn't end up working out the way they'd hoped it did. Yeah, yeah. I think that the trick is really to get the balance of support and challenge correct for leaders, you know, or for leaders to get that correct for themselves. Um, often you see leaders who, you know, maybe they've been really strong uh, individual contributors, and when they run into issues, they sort of have the Superman syndrome where they're, they'll like fly in to save the day, and they actually are in some ways handicapping their employees from stepping fully into what they're totally capable of doing. It's just that the leader needs to learn a different skill set to be able to translate the knowledge that they have to those employees, and they need to learn to trust them and also tolerate you know, maybe the learning curve and some mistakes along the way. But when they're able to maybe dial back on the support or the enablement and to challenge those employees a little bit more and to tolerate that learning curve, and then it really starts to liberate the employees. They feel proud. They feel like the, their leader believes in them. They feel like their leader has their back. So they feel like they can take more risks, they can explore, they can be curious. Um, but, you know, when I, I like to use the analogy of if you've ever played baseball or softball and you've been in the outfield and there's one player who feels like they can cover the whole outfield themselves, that, you know, you just get used to not even trying because you're like, oh, that guy's going to come and snag the fly ball right in front of me. But then if, at some point they decide not to do that and then the ball just falls to the ground because you it's a, in some ways a learned helplessness which um unfortunately yeah. a lot of really strong leaders do this and they don't recognize the cost of that kind of behavior and a lot of it at times it's because they're fearful of things not being perfect um and you know they're afraid that somebody else is somebody else learning is going to reflect poorly on them and they're not they don't have the tolerance to allow that to happen which it's not good for organizations when leaders aren't willing to you know provide some leeway for their employees to learn and to step fully into their own potential yeah absolutely and you know it, it could be just 
full on good intentions misplaced, <laughs> you know? So sometimes it's, it's control issues. It's, it's handing mm-hmm. over power. It's, it's, it's allowing people to have autonomy and, and yeah. to delegate and to truly do that. And there's, you know, sometimes there's just issues with leaders being able to do that. Um, but a lot of times leaders also just, they see someone who needs help and they want to step in and they want to help. And it's, it's like parenting in a sense yeah. that like, I, I can't do everything for my kid. I want to do everything for my kid. I want to protect them from everything. I want to make sure that they live like this yeah. easy, sure. joyful, blissful life. But the reality is they're not going to learn. They're not going to grow. They're not going to develop the character they need unless they have the opportunity to try and fail and learn and grow, you know? Um, and, and so as leaders, you know, I need to ask myself, if I'm seeing someone struggling, what type of struggle is it? And is it the debilitating type of struggle that can, you know, that will really hurt them? Uh, or is it the learning kind of struggle that's going to strengthen them? And, you know, as a leader, I want to break down barriers and provide opportunities and support for my people to the extent possible, um, you know, in terms of organizational, structural, bureaucratic barriers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't take away all of the struggle and all the challenge that my people are going to face in the day to day of them doing their jobs. Um, because that's part of part of the deal. That's part of the growth that they need to. And if they're going to grow into their potential and they're going to have successful careers, they got to learn how to navigate that. They have to learn how to, yeah. to deal with it. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Absolutely. And I think it's important for leaders to, you know, when they feel that compulsion to go in and help or support is to really take a beat and to say what kind of support do they need right what's going to serve them in the long term is it me going in and doing it for them which i think for for many leaders that's their first instinct um but that's really not sustainable right (laughs) you know because as you move up in organizations your span of control increases and that means that you cannot jump in every time somebody stubs their toe to fix the situation for them. It might mean that you have to step back and say, do I need to develop training? You know, do I need to pair them up with someone else that can teach them? That doesn't need to be me. Um, And, you know, to your point, I think that 
pride of ownership is a huge motivator. And yes, it can be difficult to deal with that challenge when you're new or you've, you know, as an employee or just experiencing something that you don't know how to do, but that's how we learn how to do it. You know, I, I, um, you brought up the being a parent. I'm a parent of, of three children. They're pretty much grown now, but I wrote about something similar in my book, a kind of an analogy, which is that, you know, when your children are really young, you know, say they're like two years old and they're learning how to feed themselves or, you know, maybe even a year old and they get more food on them than they get in their mouth. Right. You know, like you've got the, the, um, pureed peaches and the hair and, you know, their hands are a mess and, we still allow them to learn to feed themselves because it's just part of the process. But if we expect this to be perfect, we might just go on spoon feeding them in their, until they're 12 years old. And that doesn't help, right? You don't want to be, you know, 80 and spoon feeding your 50 year old, right? <laughs> just, that just, I, I, it's... <laughs> I think of another example with my kids. Um, my, my youngest daughter, I have six children, four girls, two boys. My youngest daughter, um, when she was a toddler, uh, she just refused to learn how to go up and down stairs. Yeah. And, and what she would do, which was smart for a little toddler to do is she would just get to the stairs and she would just scream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, we had other kids, we were wrangling yes. and we were like, ah, stop the screaming. And so we would just pick her up and then carry her up or carry her yeah. down. Yeah. And she, mm -hmm. she learned how to navigate without yes. doing stairs until we yes. finally just decided, okay, we're not going to do it. We're going to yes. make her do it. And she figured it out lo and behold. Right. Yes. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a silly, small little example, but we, we see these examples all around us in life mm -hmm. all the time. And I think most people, you know, we, we talk about these silly examples with kids and we're like, yeah, you got to let kids learn how to do stuff. Yeah. Um, but then we get into the workplace and we see um, an employee who doesn't know how to do something and we don't, we don't remember, like that's, that's yeah. how we, we go about developing. And so yes, provide support. Yes. Provide training. Yes. Um, make and provide, you know, create an engaging uh, psychologically safe environment where people mm -hmm. can try and fail. Um, yes. To all of that. But then we also need to step back a little bit and allow people to just take ownership over what they're doing and to grow. And we need and to as, challenge them. We need to yeah. challenge them, you know, and, and, you know, your daughter, I'm sure that it was a challenge for her to be like, Hey, screaming doesn't work anymore. I was just thinking that about, you know, she's got five older siblings and then two parents that she probably was able to navigate the whole house without ever touching the ground. You know, I know how it is with the baby of the family, right? There's so many people that can care for them that a lot of times they're like, oh, I don't have to learn how to do that. Somebody else will do it for me. And that, that actually happens in the workplace a lot. And, you know, sometimes as leaders, uh, we can be blind to that, right? Because maybe people have learned to maybe get other people to do the things that they don't want to do. But when we zero in on that, if it's something that's really an expectation of the job, at some point we're going to have to, you know, proverbially hold their feet to the fire, right? To be like, no, this is really something that need you need to master. And that's where the challenge comes in. And it's it's interesting because some people are more are more um, comfortable with the support, and some people are more comfortable with the challenge. 
you know, the, when people, when uh, leaders challenge too much and don't provide support, typically what you find is that, um, you know, there's a lot of fear. People are, are afraid that they're going to get called out or they're going to get blamed. Um, they will typically do the minimum that is required for them not to get fired, but they don't do more because they're, they're fearful of making mistakes. They're, they're fearful of taking anything new on because there's no support in terms of training or tolerance for that learning curve. And so, you know, and, and a lot of times bosses may, um, may swing, uh, you know, vacillate between those two, like, okay, I'm going to be here and I'm going to support you. I'm going to do all this stuff for you. But when people don't like immediately step up and, and take it on, and then they say, oh, just get out of my way. Or, you know, I, they'll, they'll come down on um, the employees really hard. And so they've kind of, you know, gone to this more of like dominating style. And I mean, we can see the same thing in parenting, right? Like we're parents that spoil their children, but then yell at them when, you know, they're not, the kids aren't getting it. And it's, it's really important from a leadership standpoint, whether it's parenting or, or being in the workplace to get the balance right and to, to focus enough on the skill of leadership to recognize what do I need to do? What do I need to adjust here? Do I need to put a little more, you know, challenge or do I need to step back and think like, how do I support, you know, what's, what's the right, right thing to do here. Um, but when you get the balance, right, a lot of times, then it's just a matter of like slight course corrections because people will lead themselves. You know, you just have to, you know, paint the, uh, a really vivid picture of the vision and put, uh, put it in context for your employees so that they understand how they fit into this really attractive vision. And if you get that right, people will just, it really is a lot yeah. more about self-leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we've, so we've talked a lot about really this kind of spectrum of involvement uh, and control that leaders might have when they're trying to support uh, mm -hmm. or inadvertently undermine their people. <clears throat> Do you see other blind spots that leaders often have when they're trying to encourage innovation and productivity at work? Um, well, I think that, I think that sometimes leaders haven't mentally promoted themselves, like if they've moved up within the organization, um, and if they've come, you know, from being a, a individual contributor, or maybe like a player coach, when they move to the next level, again, they don't, they don't think like, what's appropriate at this level of leadership? And how do I transmit the knowledge that I have to my direct report so that they can do what I used to do. But a lot of times when people don't do that, they're actually competing with their own direct reports. They're jumping in and they're doing things or, and it, it causes a lot of confusion. So I think getting a lot of clarity about roles and responsibilities, including yours as the leader is really critical. And you know, one of the things I've seen a lot of times that's at the heart of this for particularly new leaders, but not always, um, is that they don't value 
their contributions enough. They don't really step back and say, well, what is it that I bring? You know, sometimes people don't feel worthy of being in that position. And so they feel like they've got to do more rather than step into a true leadership role. And then maybe it's that they actually haven't had good role models for that, or they haven't stepped back enough to say, wow, like my perspective or my insights is actually worth a lot to this organization. You know, I, I say all the time that, yeah. um, that uh, you can't read the label from inside the bottle, you know, that we're just kind of walking around being who we are. And we don't think it's any big deal. We're just kind of like, yeah, I'm just, you know, Jenny from the block. <laughs> right? Not any, nothing, nothing special about me. But the reality is, if you have moved up, someone probably sees something special in you. And it's probably important for you to recognize what it is that is valuable and that you're bringing to the table and lean into it believe that what you're bringing is valuable so that you can stay in your own spot and you can empower the people that work for you to also lean into their potential. I mean, that's how, that's how you tune the machine so that it, it moves to maximum productivity and efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. And part of what you're describing there sounds like imposter syndrome that yeah, is super, sure. su super common. Um, it's, it's interesting because you tend to have, I mean, it's a spectrum, I suppose, but I think of, you have some leaders that just kind of have this arrogance about them and they yeah. just think they're the greatest things since sliced yeah. bread. Yeah. Well, and then you have narcissism <laughs> and then you have others who don't give themselves enough credit. Yeah, for, for sure. They're, they're for a little sure. bit too humble <laughs> and they yeah. don't give themselves enough credit for all the things they've done. And they probably experience imposter syndrome. And so there's a healthy balance between confidence and humility and, yeah. and, and then how that translates into how you interact with your people. Well, Terry, it has been a real pleasure. I note the time it's flown by. I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to get back to your busy day. Um, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your book, uh, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, sure. So it, people can go to my website, terrybmcdougall.com. Uh, there's a link to my calendar there if anybody wants to talk to me about one-on-one -on -one coaching, or I also do consulting with organizations to help them create more of a positive leadership environment. Um, I am very active on LinkedIn. My handle there is Terry B. McDougall. I'd be happy to get connected with any of your listeners. My podcast is Marketing Mambo. It's on all of the podcast platforms. It also has its own website, marketingmambo.net. I just talk to a lot of super interesting people in and around the world of marketing. And then finally, my book, Winning the Game of Work, is available on Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon.com worldwide. And then the final word, um, recognize the power of true leadership. And if you have been entrusted with being a leader, really think about what your role is and lean into it. Paint that picture of where you and your team are going. Help people to understand their place within um, that vision and get that um, balance right between support and challenge. And I think that if you're able to do that, you're going to see that you'll be able to do amazing things.
Amen. Well said. Thank you so much, Terry. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Terry can do for you. Check out the podcast, the book, all the many great things. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.